Orbital Gardens, this is Mission Control. We are confirming acquisition of your signal. You are live in 5, 4, 3, 2... Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Gardeners of the Galaxy, the podcast for all of the sentient beings in the universe who have a passion for plants. I'm Emma the Space Gardener and I will be your host as we explore gardening on Earth and beyond. It's purely coincidental that I was working on episode 42 on Towel Day, the annual tribute to the late Douglas Adams, author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But unless you've been hiding under your towel for a couple of weeks, and I wouldn't blame you if you had, you're sure to have noticed that astrobotany has made the headlines. Over at the University of Florida's Space Plant Lab, astrobotanists Annalisa Poole and Robert Furl and geologists Stephen Alado published a paper in Nature Communications Biology detailing their experiments to grow Arabidopsis in genuine lunar regolith from the Apollo missions. That's right, everyone. For the first time ever, scientists have grown plants in moon soil. The team were given access to tiny amounts of moon rock from three different Apollo missions, meaning three different locations on the moon. And the plants grew, but genetic testing showed that they were very stressed and that the stress they were under depended on the geological age of the regolith. So just like on Earth, the moon has different qualities of soil available for gardening, which is important to know for the future. If you'd like to read the paper yourself, it's called Plants Grown in Apollo Lunar Regolith Present Stress-Associated Transcriptomes That Inform Prospects for Lunar Exploration, and I will put the link in the show notes for you. One of the challenges for researchers and students everywhere is to find the scientific papers relevant to their area of study, the dreaded literature review. But there's a new tool in town that aims to solve that problem for astrobotanists. It's called the Space Agriculture Laboratory Analysis Database, or SALAD, and today's mission specialists are from the team developing it. Before we hear from Sam and Luke, though, I would like to give a big shout-out to the wonderful people who support this show with financial contributions that really do make a difference. From just a pound a month, you can join our community of space gardeners and help me keep the astrobotany anecdotes flowing. Visit patreon.com forward slash gardeners of the galaxy for more details. And now, it's time to serve up some nice, fresh salad. Hi Sam, hi Luke, welcome to Gardeners of the Galaxy, it's great to have you on the show today. Thanks, Emma. Great to be here. (laughs) Uh, So what would be really great uh, would be if you could just briefly introduce yourselves and say a little bit about how you got into astrobotany. So Sam, if you would like to go first. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Sam Humphrey. I am a master's student right now at North Carolina State University. I do a lot of controlled environment agriculture research with a good deal of overlap with astrobotany. Um, So I'm sort of in those two research areas, controlled environments and astrobotany. So I got involved in astrobotany work back when I was an undergrad. I was two years through my undergrad. So I had already been studying plants and I had a lot of interests. I I loved soil. I loved water movement through the plants. I loved everything about how plants interacted with their environments, but I was really unfocused. I didn't have like one area that I was particularly excited about and I didn't really see how everything married together. But one day I came across an article about Dr. Annalisa Paul. She had won some amazing NASA award and I saw the word astrobotany. (laughs) And from that moment forward, like I went home and just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I just sort of have never stopped thinking about astrobotany since. 
And so I got involved in astrobotany research. And I just I really love how astrobotany really joins together all of the things that I was already passionate about. So really excited to be here. <laughs> That's amazing. How about you, Luke? Uh, well, so I studied physics at university, you know, uh, loved the space industry ever since I was young and wanted to be involved in it. So uh, I studied um, planetary and astrophysics at university. Um, but when I graduated, I found myself working in the sustainable agriculture sector. Uh -huh. uh, so I was doing a lot of ecosystem modeling on, on that front. And eventually, a year later, I kind of married the two up and decided to take the leap and, and work in uh astrobotany now and from there that's where the salad project's kind of been born <laughs> that's brilliant okay so luke you mentioned there the salad project which is something that you've both been involved in so salad stands for i've got this written down so i get it right the space agriculture laboratory analysis database so would one of you like to tell me a little bit about what salad is all about okay I, i'll start with how salad addresses a problem so I started out not knowing much about astrobotany, and I was just a curious student looking around for information, but it can be really difficult to find all the literature, all of the like scientific findings, all those like published peer-reviewed papers yeah. online are just really difficult to find. And so we started Salad to address that problem of literature sort of being everywhere and difficult to find. The idea is to bring it all together into one single database that anyone can access and get the information they need to learn more about astrobotany, to do astrobotany research. If you're a researcher, you can refer to this. If you're a student, you can just have fun <laughs> jumping around the database, trying to see everything that's out there. Um, so it's a knowledge hub of information all about astrobotany, specifically crops in space. The salad was the idea of Dr. Rafael Lurero. He is a plant physiologist who does astrobotany work at Winston-Salem State University. And it was a collaboration between him and Gina Misra. And we, the, the group and our like interns and, and all of us were under the umbrella of the organization called Blue Marble Space Institute of Science. And they have a lot of really exciting astrobiology related work and uh, we're really happy for their support with all this as well. Fabulous. So how long have you two been, been working on this project? I think we started about a year ago now, and it was Sam and I in the beginning with a, a couple of other interns, and um, slowly we've grown out the team from Sam, myself, and Raphael, the professor on the project, and I think we're at about seven people now, and we're looking, well, we're taking on two more interns this summer. So we've had a rapid development over the past year, and we're expanding the team, and it's it's fantastic. It's a great group we've got going. And... I mean, there must be a tremendous amount of work involved in, in populating the database and finding the information to put in there, but then you've also got to code the database and the front end as well. So are you both involved in both aspects of that? A little bit of both, but Sam mainly takes care of a lot of the research analysis, and I'm more on the, the technical side of building out the database, the front end, and, and uh, all the services in between. Initially, when we thought, or we got our hands on the data in the beginning, the literature had quite complex data. You know, it describes things of spacecraft, the environmental conditions, biotic and abiotic factors, growing media, even plant stresses. And so we initially thought of taking a regular database route, which for those familiar, like a SQL database, 
but we it wasn't really capable of handling all of this complex and rich data that we wanted to bring together. And so that's where we started looking into graph databases. And the way graph databases are different to regular databases or traditional flat file databases is that they're more focused on nodes and connections. And so we can now look at for a particular spacecraft, what are all the plants that were grown on there? And then further on, what are all the stress factors? And we can do really complex queries on that data. And so it helps us going back to what Sam said before, answer that question of, you know, the research is what has been done, but more importantly, what can they do going forward as well? Yeah. Okay, so ultimately, if I wanted to know how many times carrots had grown in space, um, I could I would be able to look that up on the salad database. Is that roughly how Absolutely. it works? Absolutely, <laughs> rather simplistically. Yeah, even, even going beyond that, you could find out of all those carrots that are grown, um, which ones shared similar conditions to radishes on on the station, and or similar stresses that were exposed to both of those uh, those plants. So. Okay, so that's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And it can be really useful too. like if you wanted to do some sort of carrot experiment in your garden or something, you could look at all of the instances where it's been grown in space and the conditions of each one. And you could say, oh, well, they haven't tried growing them with high nitrogen. Like maybe I'll try that and maybe that would generate useful data just in my garden. Or if you are an actual researcher, you can do things uh, like that in the research sorts of environments that can actually be published in, in scientific journals. So we're hoping that this really helps drive research uh, forward and make it easier for people to identify areas of need. Absolutely, that sounds fantastic. Okay, so I mean, the stage that you're at is that you have published an alpha version of Salad, which I've had a quick look at. So at the moment you're looking for people to have a peek and give you some feedback, aren't you? Yeah, ideally we just wanna get it in hands of researchers at the moment. And as much feedback as we can get, we're, we're iterating constantly on the design, the data that's in the database, and really trying to tailor it to what people are looking for at the moment, what kind of research is is going to help them. Uh, so, yeah, it's, we're in this alpha stage release, and we're hopefully coming out with a much more stable version. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I'll put the link um, to that in the show notes for people if they want to look that up later on, if they want to get involved. So, I mean... In terms of what's next for Salad, you say you're sort of iterating in the database. I mean, how long are you imagining the development process will be? Very long term in terms of the the data entry, yes. I mean, research will always continue to be published and we'll need to continue putting that information in. There are also over 500, I think it's something like 560 papers I've found so far. Uh, they're not all entered into the database yet. <laughs> But, you know, there's a huge well of knowledge that we will just continue inputting. Um, we're also looking at other areas that we can expand into, and we're looking at forming collaborations in the future. So, yeah. you know, we're really excited about the future of Salad, and, and we hope everyone sticks around to see it. <laughs> I say it would be much easier if people sent you the information um, to put into the database, wouldn't it? So that you don't have to go hunting for it. Have you thought about maybe giving it a sort of user inputable sort of facet like a wiki? Mm -hmm. So one of the features we want to develop in the next six months is a user input feature. And with that comes similar to how Wikipedia works, validation steps uh, so that the data is, we're making sure that the data that's in there is you know, highest possible quality, that's ideally our aim for developing. 
it's the data quality thing that we're really focused on. We yeah. want this database to be usable and applicable and also really high quality as well. We do have students on our team and it's been wonderful to see them grow and learn. And we really want to drive home that we hold the utmost standards for the quality of, of our work. One of the things we want to do going forward now is build out Salad as a data service that can integrate with existing tools out there, right? Okay. Integrations are going to be a big part of our development going forward. And we feel like we've got a great opportunity to integrate, whether it's hardware tools or dashboards or anywhere that this data can be readily accessed. Because at the moment, it was like Sam was saying, this is locked away in literature and it requires this huge amount of literature research to, to get out this data. And so any industry or any any application that, that, that needs this data on a, uh, and that's where your imagination can kind of run wild a little bit. You know, yeah. you, you can imagine that there could be tools developed for even, even the space station where astronauts can almost instantaneously get, get up plant data from historical trials or experiments, and it can inform what they're doing in real time. So there's, there's a whole heap of tools we can build out once we have the data built, and then on top of that, let's say, some modeling layers that, that we could implement. So, yeah, it's once once we get that in, we'll probably let our imaginations run wild. <laughs> While you were talking there, I just had this idea of sort of, you know, astronauts on Mars with a garden, you know, using your salad database. You know, like, something's gone wrong with the carrots. So like, <laughs> we need to look up some research and see, you know, what we're doing wrong with the carrots. So I just thought, yeah, that would be absolutely brilliant. And like, oh, I need to, I, I'd like to grow some radishes. We've not done that before. Who's done that? Yeah. You're probably not that far off with what they might do someday. I mean, we can't know for sure, but the time difference between how long it takes for someone on Mars to get a message all the way to someone on Earth and get get a response back. Yeah. You know, they might use software like this someday in space. So we're just really excited to be developing the first version of it. <laughs> what would be the alternative, Sam? So you would have to have, let's say something's going wrong with the carrots on, on Mars. There would have to be, and let's say there wasn't the expertise on Mars to deal with uh, a particular carrot problem, you would have to relay that message back to Earth. They would have to sift through all the literature, build that out, and then, you know, uh, send that information back. So, I mean, that's exactly what happened when um, on the International Space Station when Scott Kelly had uh, the problem with the zinnias, the space zinnias. Um, he discovered that they'd gone a little bit mouldy. Um, <laughs> so of course he sort of rang, rang down to Mission Control who got the the space gardening team out of bed at four o'clock in the morning for an emergency <laughs> summit <laughs> yeah. um, to decide on you know a, an emergency procedure to rescue the space seniors um, and that was when um, it became they developed a an on-orbit gardening manual for Scott Kelly to become the first on-orbit gardener so that he could handle these things um, without having to wake everybody up. So, yeah, <laughs> I can see that happening in my Mars. Going to need something a little bit more sophisticated than a quick gardening guide. So I think, yeah, a database at your fingertips of all the space gardening that's ever been done would be a very valuable tool for those people. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to I do want to note, though, that, Luke, I fundamentally disagree with your your example, I think that we will have carrot farmers on Mars. <laughs> I don't think it'll be an issue, but you know, for Maybe the sake of the exotic species. Though. Are you volunteering to go, Sam? Are you going to be <laughs> the Martian carrot expert? I, if you're asking, if you'll send me Emma, absolutely. Love <laughs> if I had you. deep enough pockets, Sam, I would. <laughs> Sadly, I don't think I can afford a ticket just at the moment. <laughs> 
So, Sam, you have you've mentioned your desire to go into space. So you get this question first. If you, you're going into space on a, on a deep space mission, you can only take one plant with you. All your food needs are taken care of. This is your personal plant. What plant would you take and why? All right. So um, no one's heard this answer yet. Luke and I spoke about this <laughs> and I didn't have an answer or at least I didn't share with him this one. Uh, so it's new. But my secret passion is <laughs> growing miniature tomato plants, mm-hmm. not just not just like the small cultivars, but like taking the smallest cultivar, microtom, and manipulating the environment around it to make it as small as possible. Um, and I, I so like adding more blue light makes the plant grow a little bit smaller and restricting the root zone makes it grow a little bit smaller. And so I would just love to do that in space and see how small I could grow the little tiny tomato plants. Presumably some of those factors affect how many tomatoes it's able to grow. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I, I've had real luck with microtom growing like a super short plant with just a huge cluster of tomatoes on there. I mean, they're not the best tasting, but it's it's fun to grow them anyway. <laughs> so you're inventing sort of bonsai tomatoes for for space travel. That's awesome. <laughs> so how about you, Luke? If you were going into space with or without Sam, <laughs> which plant would you take? Well, so yeah, I had to think about this as well, and I, I came to settle on a, a coffee plant. I'm not sure if it's been said it on hasn't, the. No. It hasn't. Okay, so I could just imagine myself looking out over the cupola, you know, looking out onto Earth and having brewed myself maybe a cold brew even uh, of coffee. It's a it's a pretty high intent. You know, you'll be growing it for a long time and yeah. potentially only getting one to two uh, good cups out of it. But uh, I think there'd be nothing better. Than, you, and than nobody's perfected the art of of roasting coffee in space yet either. So there's going to be some in- experimentation there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> And there's coffee fruit as well. So in getting the bean, you would also have a little tiny, good tasting fruit. It is a multi-purpose plant. And they are very pretty with those glossy leaves. I had I, I had some as house plants for a while. Um, so, yeah, ah, good choice. Yeah, exciting. So, yeah, we've got coffee and tomatoes. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so thank you, Sam. Thank you, Luke, for being brilliant guests on Gardeners of the Galaxy and adding to my orbital greenhouse with your tomatoes and your coffee plants. It's been wonderful to talk with you today and learn more about the salad database. Great. Thanks so much, Emma. That was great. (laughs) It's been wonderful seeing you. Brilliant. Okay, thank you. So if you'd like to become an alpha tester and have a play with the Salad database, you can express your interest by filling in a short Google form and you can get in touch with the Salad team by emailing contact at saladproject.org. I'll put those details in the show notes for you, which you'll find on my website at theunconventionalgardener.com. That's it for this episode. Thanks again to my patrons for supporting the show and don't forget that you can sign up to the Gardeners of the Galaxy newsletter for new episode alerts and bonus astrobotany content. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Orbital Gardens, this is Mission Control. Confirming termination of your signal. I have a message from the higher-ups. They say they would love to authorise your herb experiment, but we just don't have the time.